Welcome to the Straight Talk Physio Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Andrew Junak and Dr. Craig Giambattista. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the prevalence of headaches, the correlation between headaches and neck pain, the difference between headaches and migraines, what a clinical assessment for headaches looks like, and then also effective headache treatments that we use to provide both short and long-term relief from headache pain. So, Craig, I hope everything's been going well on your end over there. Uh, I know you're back in Ohio. Um, you know, you just came back from vacation. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so for our uh, YouTube viewers out there, a little tanner than normal. So I got back from uh, a little beach vacation. Um, social distancing observed, of course. So it was just better to be bored on the beach, you know, in the low 90s and, uh, you know, <laughs> over there than being in Ohio. So just broke the monotony up a little bit, which I think that is worth it in and of itself. So um, for any of our listeners out there, definitely, even though you might be out of the house, try to, to keep up with our guidelines. So um, yeah, it was great. Relaxing, reset, got a little bit tan and just ready to ready to get back at it. Sounds good, Craig. Well, I will let you start off or kick us off with talking about uh, headaches and whether or not they're pretty common. I mean, I know I've had a headache before. Have you ever experienced a headache? Well, I did go to grad school. So yeah, I oh, definitely, definitely yeah. got some headaches going on. So I, I think, and you know, this is uh, something that I really like working with and like talking about. So I, I think it is, it is a super important topic. And you kind of started off right there. Headaches are so common, you know, according to some of the stuff that we looked up, you know, and of course, you know, these numbers can be kind of all over the place sometimes, but I think a good resource we found from the American Journal of Medicine is that the lifelong prevalence of a headache is about 96% with it being a little bit more dominant in females. Uh, and the global active prevalence of tension type headaches is right about 40% and migraines right at about 10%. So uh, when we're talking migraines and headaches, we'll, we'll go over a little bit of the differences today because they are, they can almost be thought of as two kind of separate things. Um, and when we're, you know, when we're talking migraines, we're talking more age 25 to 55, uh, again, a little bit more common in female and believe it or not, another just kind of sticking point with migraines is, you know, 40 to 60% of migraine sufferers, sufferers, excuse me, will also note, uh, neck and shoulder pain and believe it or not, yeah. uh, neck and shoulder pain is even a more commonly associated symptom with migraine than like your nauseous. Everyone thinks, you know, some, they know everyone knows somebody with a migraine and they're like, well, I have to go lay in a dark room and I feel really nauseated. So you would think that that's kind of like the number one thing, but you know, believe it or not, neck pain is, is right up there. So definitely something that uh, we see a lot in our patients. And I think something that a lot of our listeners have suffered with at one point. So hopefully with today's talk, we might be able to give you some new ideas or if you've kind of, you know, seen a, a thousand different doctors and every other headache specialist, you know, and all this other stuff. Um, and if you hadn't tried PT, hopefully we can share some things with you today that might say, you know, this is absolutely something worth trying. Yeah, that's, that's right on, right on point there, Craig, you know, headaches are so common. I see it a lot of times in tandem with neck and shoulder pain, just like you had mentioned. Um, as far as like migraines, that's one thing I don't see too frequently, frequently, and we will get into that. Um, so with that being said, like, we want to talk a little bit about what is a headache, um, because in and of itself, it somewhat defines what it is, right? It's an ache in your head. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's a referred pain. And that pain can come from a number of different areas. So the pain, let's say you have pain in your forehead, the pain isn't necessarily coming from your forehead itself. 
So what a referred pain is, is pain that's started or being caused by um, a structure that is away from where the pain is located. So in a very, very simple way to put it, um, you know, a headache is a continuous pain in the head. You know, that's your super simple definition, but there's so much more that goes into the headaches and how we classify and diagnose them. So hopefully we'll be able to clarify some of this terminology and take what's, you know, seems as such a simple definition and turn it into something a little bit more, I guess you could say complex, but we don't want to make it too complex to where, um, you know, we get too sciencey with it. We want to make sure that we give you guys some practical information on what are some things that you can do and some things that we can do to actually help you uh, solve some of these problems. So, Craig, I know you mentioned how the headaches and neck pain kind of relate, and I touched on the referred pain model. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how these two come together or what, I guess, what the science is between the neck itself and a headache? Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said before, the definition, continuous pain in the head, like so simple. Um, so I think when patients will see me for the first time, their first question is, well, I have headaches. Like, what can you do to help me? Like how, you know, what's, what's PT going to do um, that like, you know, maybe a medication can't cause I have pain in my head. So like, are you going to, you know, touch my head or exercise my head, you know? So I think the, the first thing is if we back up and we talk about maybe how some things are related in the body that maybe aren't, you know, specifically at the head can cause head and neck pain. So uh, again, like you said, we're not going to get too sciencey here. That's not the, the goal of our talk. So I'm going to use my typical like patient education language. So uh, and there's, I would say a solid four or five things, uh, that I, that I like to hit on. And the first one being is that our body is filled with these various receptors that send information to our brain. That's their job. The, the brain processes it and then it gives some sort of output. So maybe we feel a certain way or we feel pain or the, the brain asks us to move in a certain way. So we like to think of the, the density of those receptors. So just like anywhere else in our body, there might be a place with not many receptors and there might be a place with a whole bunch of receptors. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, a lot of receptors are put in important places because our brain wants to have a very good idea of where it is in space and what we should be doing with it. So uh, the neck, specifically the upper part of the neck, so this guy right up here, is one of the high, like the most highly innervated proprioceptive pieces we have in our body. So as you can imagine, if something funky is going on with the neck, like it's not moving right, or a muscle is tight, or we're kind of set, you know, down in a, in a weird posture all day, you can imagine that those, uh, you know, information providing receptors now might be creating like a mismatch of information, or they might not, they might be given a foggy picture instead of a clear picture. And sometimes that can lead to a headache. Um, you touched on the, the, uh, trigger point or referral uh, pattern model before, which is obviously huge. If you listened to our podcast before, we definitely did a whole talk on referred pain and there are various neck muscles that, you know, uh, attach to the head, neck, wherever. And if for whatever reason they become damaged, irritated, et cetera, they can cause pain in the head or neck. And it kind of mimics our exact headache locations. Um, now, now, would you say it's safe to say that when these proprioceptors or these, these receptors that are in that area, when they get irritated, is that probably will cause a lot of the sensitivity that people feel where they feel like yeah. it hurts to like rub their neck out. Or I've even seen patients come in and say like, Oh, I need to use a lacrosse ball on my neck, but I can't even handle it. It's so sensitive. Is that what you would think? 
I would say you could get a whole host of different symptoms with stuff like that. And if we're thinking, uh, you know, it does have that, you know, that obvious neurological connection, of course, we can get stuff like sensitivity to touch or pain, but we can also get some other stuff like the sensation of maybe even feeling a little dizzy or off balance or lightheaded or people come in and it's just like not quite right. They'll just say it's like really hard to describe, not quite right. Or so many times I've heard someone say it feels like there's like a little ball right in the like part of my neck right here. Like I kind of look around, it feels like I'm rolling over something or I'm pressing on something, you know, and that's when I kind of, you know, you can kind of get these, I think these, these sensations due to, you know, some of this various neck uh, proprioceptors and various neck kind of muscles there. Uh, And just, just kind of piggybacking on that. We actually do have some muscles that attach to the spinal cord itself. Now, again, we're not making a huge, you know, science talk out of this, but I think just knowing those little pieces of information, I think it helps people understand that our joints, our various soft tissues, muscles are so connected to the head and brain from the upper part of our neck, then, um, you know, if something is going on with them, definitely makes sense that it can manifest in like a neck pain or headache kind of way. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if there's anything else you like to educate your patients on, but I would say those tend to be, uh, the big things, at least I talk about on day one. And I think that tends to help. Yeah, I totally agree. I think those are some of the big thoughts because a lot of times patients are really confused that, you know, they come in and they just have a headache. And then when I tell them that I'm going to assess their neck, they're usually a little bit confused as to why I'm even going there. They're like, why are you going to mess with my neck? I don't have any neck pain. Um, Now I would say predominantly most people who do have headaches also have some sort of neck tightness or neck discomfort. They just don't classify it as like a true neck pain. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's a a huge thing that you, you touched on there. And as far as those education points, I think it all makes sense. So as far as like common types of headache that you might see, uh, is there a way you, you classify them? Um, are there some that you might say like, this is something we would be successful in treating, or are there some out there that you might say like, you know what, maybe this, this isn't for us, you know, how do you, how do you typically go about that? So I like to put uh, headaches into different categories. So I think the, the best place to start is with the headaches that we can treat, okay? So the ones that we believe that in some way are related to muscle, tendon, ligament, bone, you know, those types of structures that we can impact with our, our hands, our techniques, exercise, uh, some of the different things that we do. Um, so there's headaches that can be caused by muscle tension. A lot of times these are called tension headaches. Um, these can oftentimes be treated with physical therapy. Uh, the different types of joints in the upper neck, uh, some of those can actually become stiff, painful, and restricted. And those can cause headache pain referrals to behind the eye, in the front of the forehead, um, in a ram's, what we'd call like a ram's horn distribution, kind of wrapping around the head. And then also in the back of the neck, kind of up, uh, up on the top. Um, you can have some odd mechanics or different movement patterns or posturing. So if you sit at a desk all day long, and you can't maintain a good upright posture, um, and you find that your headaches are actually created from, or they come on as you go through your workday. So you might start your day without headaches, and then by you know maybe three o'clock or by lunchtime, you start to get this headache, and it's a reoccurring thing on a daily basis. But you find that when you're not in front of the computer, you don't get headaches. Um, posture may be contributing to the issue. Uh, trauma is also something that we oftentimes treat. So someone might have had a motor vehicle accident. Uh, These are a little bit tougher to treat, these types of headaches, because now you 
have involved the potentially the central nervous system has become a little bit more sensitive. So that area is a lot, I guess you could say, more touchy and hard to treat. Um, we also treat patients after head trauma that isn't related to like motor vehicle accidents and also after fractures. Um, once the fracture is healed, that's something that we can target and do some different things with. Uh, some of the headaches that I had talked to you guys about before um, are the cervicogenic headaches. And those are the ones that can radiate to the front of the head, the back of the neck, that ram's horn distribution, or even behind the eye or the eyebrow. I would say behind the eye or the eyebrow, that pain referral is one of the more common ones that I see in the clinic where patients will come in and they'll say like, I feel like there's something jabbing me behind my eye or just really achy. And usually there's a specific joint in the neck that is extra sensitive when you press on it. And it will actually cause the pain that is referred right to the eyeball essentially. Um, and oftentimes it's pretty simple and straightforward to treat. And I'd say it's one of the more common ones that I see. That being said, there's a whole bunch of headaches that, you know, are managed with other mo modalities. So for example, there's um, headaches that we believe in some way are related to the nervous system. And these are neuralgias or maybe secondary to nerve damage themselves. There's headaches that we believe that could be related to lifestyle. So people who, you know, suffer from very, very, very high stress um, or are going through a very difficult time in their life. Stress may play a role in causing that headache to become more chronic or linger around. It may not actually be 100% muscular. So meditation, yoga, um, different things like that may be more beneficial for the person who has stress-related headaches. I would say that many times patients are told by another provider that their headaches are due to stress um, when in all actuality the headaches are due to more of a muscle imbalance or something coming from their neck. So I wouldn't be so fast to chalk up your headache is due to something related to stress. I would say that's kind of more on the rare side of things. Would you agree with that, Craig? Yeah, no, I would agree a hundred percent. And I think it, it kind of brings up another topic of, you know, we're talking about a lot of ways that we're, you know, the primary headache that we're good at treating. But I think that PTs are also experts in helping like the secondary uh, you know, kind of fall out from a headache, you know, like, so there are absolutely sometimes when I'll tell patients, like the root cause of your headache, you know, we think we got a pretty decent idea. We know what it is, but you might get some secondary symptoms like a neck tightness or neck pain, or, you know, you just maybe need some education on modifying your lifestyle and that can really help. So I think that it kind of becomes like this two way road of, do we think that we're able to get down to the root cause and we can, you know, directly address that? Or do we think that, you know, something else has happened that maybe uh, conservative management might not be the best approach, approach, but you might get some secondary stuff that we can make life a whole heck of a lot easier if we, if we kind of look at it and address it. Absolutely. So Craig, what do you think about, you know, I'm going to let you kind of talk about some of the other central nervous system ones like concussion, because I think that's, that's something that you've uh, done some different types of research in like self-study and you've worked with some specialists in the concussion area. So I want to let you kind of talk a little bit more about your experience working with that population. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, we did, I think we did a good job of covering what we would consider like the true musculoskeletal stuff that can be involved in headaches, but it gets a little hairier. I think when we start talking about this, you know, the central nervous system. So um, just like we talked about before, the central nervous system is getting a lot of great information from all the, you know, proprioceptive and information giving things in the body. But if 
you know, the processing part, if the central part, if something's going on there, then, you know, that information sometimes, uh, you know, might be interpreted as something else or the output might be interpreted as something else. And that's when we can get some of these like headache uh, or any other central like symptoms like we talked about before, blurry vision, lightheaded, uh, you know, nausea, vomiting, uh, dizziness, you know, all this other stuff. So we still get those secondary symptoms where we like to address the neck. Absolutely. But we also have to work on how to kind of uh, desensitize that central system. So a lot of times you'll see like acute whiplash is pretty well researched. And the big thing there is just kind of working on some reassurance. Uh, and usually symptoms are pretty violent and pretty not great. Uh, and I think the primary role is being an educator and saying like, nothing serious is wrong. You know, like right now your, your brain's job is to always protect itself and it's pretty rattled. So we're going to teach you some ways to desensitize it because if you just kind of sit there and all of a sudden you stop moving your neck, you're going to have some, some, some longer, some problems in the long run. Yeah. Um, and you see a lot of that with like concussion and whiplash, like the old school way of looking at that kind of stuff was like, we're just going to put you in bed. Just don't do anything for a while, sit in a dark room and everything will straighten itself out. And now we're kind of learning that's not the best case. Um, so you need an expert in that kind of stuff to guide you to say, are you doing too much? Are you not doing enough? Um, and that's like, you kind of, that's a little more difficult than it sounds. It's kind of one of those on the surface, it seems like an easy thing, but um, that graded return to activity, which we talk about all the time on this podcast is super important with, I would say the more like centrally mediated stuff. I would say the graded return to activity with concussion is much more important than for standard uh, orthopedic injuries, just because you run the risk of really, really flaring somebody up and kind of making them go backwards. Whereas for most orthopedic injuries, you might get like a one to two day flare up, but then things for the most part tend to return back to baseline. Things are just so much more sensitive with concussions. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think the, you know, everything we're talking about today is the stuff that is pretty well researched in like the PT world stuff. We're really, uh, you know, familiar with seeing, but I think it, you know, I do want to touch on, uh, the other stuff, you know, someone that has headaches for a long time might hear some of these other classifications. There's something out there for any of our listeners. This is, this is absolutely free information, uh, from the international headache society. And what they do is, I think it was formed in like 2018 or something like that. It's pretty new, but it's a group of people that are just headache experts, you know, and they're just trying to put out as much detailed information as they can. And just to give our listeners a little, uh, kind of introspective look on the stuff that we think about is they try to uh, create like a classification, just like some common reasons why people have headaches. And if you just look at their little pocket, like the, their, their short version is like 20 pages and they, they uh, classify headaches into like a diagnosis code. So like a main thing, like they have 14 different classifications. And just to give you some examples, there's migraine, there's tension type headaches, there's trigeminal autonomic cephalalgia. So and under those, there's subcategories. So under the, the migraine category, there are, uh, you know, there's about like 15 or 20 subcategories. So if you look at this whole list of saying like, why are you having a headache? There's like definitely over a hundred items on here as to what can cause a headache. So one more time, over 100 reasons that you could be having a headache. So yeah, exactly. Which is like such a crazy thing, you know? Um, and it's just kind of, I'm like scrolling through the list right now and, you know, just to be able to pinpoint this stuff is, is crazy. But I think from, uh, you know, a PT aspect where we can really come in is 
we can sort of, you know, because we are experts at assessment, we can say you have these headache-like symptoms. This is the musculoskeletal and nervous system stuff we can see and we can address. And that typically tends to help patients out. So we, I think a good chunk of that um, we, can, we can help with in some way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, there's some headaches that we just aren't very good at treating. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree 100%. You know, just looking at our research or the stuff that I see a lot is um, uh, migraine is a big one. So uh, migraine is a little different than a standard headache in the sense that it is it can be a little more centrally mediated as far as we know. You know, like the jury's out. Uh, migraine is not well understood. It's It's like studied a lot, but, you know, I wouldn't say that we have like a perfect handle on it. But I would say migraine is a good example of where we can help with some of the secondary stuff like the, I get migraines and then my neck feels like it's locked up kind of deal. Um, Some people respond to PT with migraine treatment. They absolutely do. But I would say that's more on the the end of saying like, we're for sure going to take a crack at this and I think we can help. But it it would be tough for me to say like someone coming in with chronic migraines to be like, yep, you just need physical therapy. Right. I totally agree. And usually the way that we know that somebody's having a migraine is based off of their subjective history or some of the questions that we ask them. You know, most people with um, the type of headaches that we can treat, usually they occur on like one side of the head. So somebody will say like, oh, the pain is right behind my left eye. It's always behind that eye. That's typically where I get my symptoms. Um, In the case of migraines, usually patients will have bilateral symptoms. So it'll be like all over their head or be more global. um, And it will feel more like a throbbing sensation, uh, more so unbearable. Whereas most people with the headaches that you know, are more musculoskeletal related, they're a little bit more tolerable. They don't make you want to feel like you have to go lay down in a dark room. (laughs) Uh, From a migraine perspective, some of these patients will experience blurred or even double vision. They can experience nausea. Uh, Some will vomit. A lot of them will have auras or light sensitivity. So fluorescent lighting can be a trigger. Um, computer screens can be a trigger. Some cell phone screens can also be a trigger for, for patients during a migraine and make things worse. Patients with migraines also will report uh, dizziness at times or maybe even lightheadedness. So you don't have to have all of these symptoms, but there's a certain clustering of them that if they are put together, uh, patients will typically experience a number of these during an episode. And again, these are usually episodic. These things don't last for forever, but patients will normally feel triggers or they'll experience triggers and then they'll feel this coming on and they'll know they're about to have a migraine. Um, and a lot of this is actually handled with medication um, and tends to respond you know, pretty well to medication. And thus, it's not something that we treat that often. But like you said, those secondary effects like the neck pain, the shoulder pain, uh, some of the different types of tightness that you can experience after having a migraine, there's plenty of areas for us to intervene there and make sure that we can get things moving again, or at least get you as close to back to normal um, as possible quickly after having a migraine. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that kind of brings us into our next topic of like, if like, and I'll, I'll kind of go first here, but we'll go down the list of things that like we might see in the clinic. And if we see these things, it might kind of, you know, that light will go off in our head where it's like, yeah, I think this is something that's going to respond pretty well. And like you just mentioned, taking a good subjective history is first and foremost. So if you're, if you're seeing anyone for your headache, they got to be asking the right questions and checking the boxes, kind of what Drew just mentioned there. 
Um, I'm big on frequency and intensity, like kind of, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but keeping track of your headaches is a, is a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice thing to do. And we'll talk about why here just in a second. But um, as far as exam stuff is concerned, if I'll keep it as simple as possible is if I could have somebody move or if I can put my hands on someone and reproduce it, um, that's typically a positive sign that it might respond to, you know, conservative management. Um, but again, we're looking at, you know, headache location. Is it bilateral or unilateral? And, um, you know, we're kind of doing our normal joint testing and movement assessments. But I would say just on the whole, if I'm able to, uh, you know, affect it in some way, whether that be better or worse, um, then I think it can, uh, you know, it's absolutely worth trying, uh, trying some conservative stuff. Is there anything you tend to see, Drew, or when you see it, you think people might have a, a good outcome? I think the biggest one is, uh, like you said, recreating their pain. If you can push on a certain joint or a, a certain muscle, like a trigger point in a muscle, and the patient can say, yep, that's my headache, um, I think we have a pretty good shot at treating it. Um, you know, from there, we're identifying what's weak and, you know, what things might be tight or overactive. And then from there, we just deliver treatment that's necessary. But the biggest thing I would say are probably our number one factor, or at least my number one factor in knowing whether or not I can help someone is if we're able to say they don't have symptoms of a migraine, you know, by asking all those questions at the start, and then by going in and being able to change or alter their headache within that first session. That gives me the information that I need to be able to confidently say, yes, I think there's something I can do to help you. But if I press on all the different joints in the spine and I have you move your head and neck and there's zero restrictions um, and I do a, you know, the rest of my assessment and there's no strength deficits or there's no postural deficits, nothing like that, then I, I'm pretty confident in saying that, I, that I'm pretty limited in what I can do to help someone. So I would say my exam doesn't necessarily tell me exactly what type of headache someone is having. You know, when we talked about there's a hundred reasons and all these different classifications, you know, I don't think at the end of the day, our goal is to say, oh, you have this one specific type of headache. It's mainly to say, is it related to the musculoskeletal system? Is this a, re a true orthopedic issue? And if it is an orthopedic issue, then I think we got a pretty darn good shot at solving it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think part of our responsibility too is if we feel like it's not, like we got to at least uh, figure out where this person might need to go, yeah. you know? Then you see um, a neurologist or an ENT, like what's, what's the next step? What's the next yep. move? And that's why you, uh, you know, again, any headache listeners out there, you're whoever you're seeing should be taking a pretty detailed history because headaches are multifactorial. You know, they should be asking about your person, like not detailed in your personal life, but stress and anxiety should come <laughs> up, you know, like asking yeah. about what kind of work do you do? You know, are you taking care of your kids? You know, like those kind of questions. Uh, and if you're a listener to the podcast, we talk about that stuff all the time you know, and it's like the, the whole person needs to be addressed and headaches are absolutely no different. Yep. Um, so I would say that's definitely worth talking about. And I would say low key takeaway is I've seen people with poor vision get headaches. And uh, so yeah. another, I would say oh, yeah. another like little lesser known thing, staring at a screen all day, or I haven't uh, had my glasses prescription updated for the past 10 years, you know, kind of deal um, that, that kind of stuff. So just a little, a uh, little extra hot take for you on, on that one. No. Uh, so as far as, you know, let's say you, you have your patient, they're saying the right stuff. You think you're going to help them. What kind of things do you do treatment wise uh, for people uh, with headaches? Yeah. And I think uh, this is kind of a loaded question because there's a lot of things to work on or there's at least a lot of things that we need to consider. Um, 
you know, especially if we're taking that deep dive from a history perspective, we're trying to learn as much as we can about that patient. And because we're taking such a deep dive into it, there could be a lot of things that we need to address because um, we don't know exactly what's going to be contributing to the problem. So we need to make sure that we take more of a holistic approach in addressing a number of different things, trying to make sure that we can get rid of these headaches for good. So I would say from a research perspective, the people who get exercise, manual therapy, or a combination of the two, and by manual therapy, I mean some sort of hands-on techniques that we do specifically. This is more physically th physical therapy-related type of research. Um, so manual therapy or hands-on work that we do provides significant benefits in reducing the frequency of headaches, so how many times per week someone is experiencing a headache, and also the intensity of the headaches. Um, and that could be like a, a number value. For example, someone comes in with a headaches or headaches with a pain level of six, we're reducing the frequency maybe down to like a one, two, or a three. So there's a significant impact by at least two pain points um, in the intensity of the headaches. We'll use hands-on techniques to address any stiff joints in the upper neck. We use specific exercises also to follow up the, the techniques that we do to help continue to maintain that new mobility or that new range of motion that we've achieved from our hands-on techniques. Then we go into strengthening of some of the deep neck muscles. Some of the muscles of the upper back a lot of times are weak in people who have headaches. Um, and this could be due to a number of things. It could be due to the headache itself. It could be due to prolonged poor posture. Um, posture may or may not have anything to do with a headache. Um, I, there's a lot of research out there that shows that poor posture typically is not correlated with pain, but there may be a correlation of posture and pain once someone's actually in pain. So just because you have poor posture does not necessarily equal that you ha will have pain. But if you have pain and also have poor posture, there is a chance that that pain may continue or that pain cycle may continue until that postural problem is addressed. So sometimes people get that mixed up, but we would address some of those postural muscles as well and those key stabilizer muscles of the shoulder blades and the upper back. Um, typically, we're using dry needling uh, for some of these suboccipital muscles and also some of the deeper muscles of the, the head and neck. Um, we, I know, Craig, you mentioned that you like to do a lot of measuring of progress, and I think this is a great idea and something I'm going to start to include a little bit more. You like to keep a headache journal or calendar. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so and when we, when we talk about our, you know, I, our how long does it take to get better, uh, you know, piece, which, which we try to include in everything, uh, I would say a lot of times it's not like a, as you get better, you just all of a sudden stop getting headaches, or at least I would say that's a little less common for me when I tend to see it. <laughs> I, so what I'll have people do is uh, kind of measure like, you know, how many days per week are you getting a headache? Um, and those headaches that you're getting, how intense are they? And we'll, we'll pick an arbitrary scale, you know, like zero to 10, for example, or if we want to, you know, kind of pick our own uh, sort of thing, we can do that. And then typically I'll have the patient kind of like, you know, just like a comment section. Is there a specific way their headache feels that day? Or did they feel like it was triggered by something specific? And I think that once you start writing that down, um, and then, you know, you're compliant with just kind of gauging it, I think you do better knowing when you're getting better. I know that sounds kind of strange, but yeah, uh, headache is like super subjective. Like, how do you rate a headache out of 10 on intensity? You know, like, who knows what a 10 out of 10 headache feels like? you know, a seven out of 10 headache for you might be a two out of 10 headache for me, you right. know, you don't know. So I think if you're able to establish a baseline, when you first start coming, and you know, you're stringing together 
what you would consider seven out of 10 headaches three times a day. And then we go back and look at your log a month later and you're like, well, you know what? I had a couple of headaches this month, but I, I just thought maybe to me, they were like three out of 10. And I yeah. think some people get frustrated because they're like, well, I'm still getting headaches. But if you can look back and say they're less frequent and they are definitely less intense, you're kind of on that road to having, you know, resolution of headaches or now headaches are bearable there. You can, you know, work function and do whatever you like. And I think when we're dealing with something that's so even more subjective or just as subjective as pain, uh, just having some way of measuring it, I, I think is helpful. Yeah, I think that's awesome, Craig. You know, on top of that, from a, an education standpoint, I know you use the calendar. I tend to also talk a little bit about um, desk setup, especially now with uh, the COVID and people working from home. And, you know, I, I imagine that a lot of companies are going to kind of continue to shift to uh, working from home now that they're seeing that it's, it's feasible and it's possible. Um, so looking at computer monitor and desk setup. Um, I've had a couple patients that have had headaches from actually medical providers who get chronic headaches from just charting all the time after patient care is done or at the end of their day. Um, by the end of the day, they've done, you know, maybe they've seen 15 or 20 patients and they've been at a desk pretty much nonstop. Uh, so I actually recommend that they, uh, purchase or their employer purchase a sit to stand desk. And I've ordered those for several different people and had very, very good results. Uh, I address sleeping position. Um, sometimes stomach sleepers can end up with this neck restriction because when they sleep on their stomach, uh, their head is turned or cocked to one side and being stuck in that position for a prolonged period of time, you can develop some stiffness in your neck. And a lot of times that can contribute to headaches. So maybe trying to either adjust their sleeping position while they're on their stomach um, discussing what type of pillow they should use for a back sleeper versus a side sleeper. So some of those things are areas that I'll touch on. And then also meditation for stress relief, um, talking about ways to manage stress, uh, some different activities that someone may not be doing right now that they don't realize is extremely important to them and may be causing them more undue stress. Um, one good example is there's some, t I had a, a patient who was saying that exercise is something that's very important to her. And because of, you know, her circumstance, she was unable to exercise. So she was actually what she used for stress relief and to kind of get away and have time on her own that was taken away from her. And so that in tandem with, you know, increased work hours, um, work stress, home stress, life stress, um, it was all kind of adding up. So basically giving her permission and just saying, Hey, um, you know, from what you're telling me, it sounds like exercise is something that helps you blow off steam and kind of normalizes your system for you. You know, maybe that's something you should try to work into your day, even if it's for 15 minutes, just picking up something small may make a huge difference for you. So being able to have that you time, um, there's another app that I use with patients for different types of meditation who have anxiety or struggling with some type of depression. Um, it's called the Calm app. I know it's on iOS. I'm sure it's on Android too, um, but I believe it's free. You kind of get on there and um, you can pick what sounds you'd like to hear. And I'll usually ask patients to either do it first thing in the morning or right before bed or both, and usually take 10 minutes to themselves just to clear their head and give themselves a little bit of time to reset and either get prepared for the day or wind down, wind down from the day. And oftentimes this tends to help with some of that muscle tension and some of the different things that they might be experiencing that somewhat are out of their control. Yeah, I love, big fan of the Calm app, use it myself, um, recommend it as well. 
and I think you brought up a good point. Like we didn't really talk too much about it in this specific podcast, but you know, if you're a frequent listener, you'll hear us talk about like central sensitization and chronic pain and mindset. And I think that headaches, you know, they fit into that category too. So am I going to sit here and say that PTs are going to cure all the headaches in the world? You know, absolutely not. But I do think that, you know, if headache is one of those things that might not be the first thing you think of when you think physical therapy, so coming in with that mindset after hearing us talk about it, you can say, you know what, this is a common problem. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good research out there to say, yeah, physical therapy can definitely resolve or at the very least, you know, improve this. So just kind of allowing yourself to say, I might make some positive changes here, or I might, you know, get on an exercise program to help this out. So just, just like with a lot of pain stuff we talk about here, I think that's a, a big, a really big first step. Oh, I totally agree. So Craig, with that being said, okay, what, I know headaches can kind of be all over the board with how people tend to recover. What would you say your timeline is for someone who's suffering from a headache comes into the clinic? Like how long does it take to get better? Yeah. So I know this is something we try to do every podcast and we always give like this awesome, like medically muddy answer, you know, (laughs) Um, but I do what I like to say, and this is more so my opinion. I, I can't say that I have like, you know, this hardcore amount of research to back it up, but I do kind of remind patients that everybody's different. And I use, I'll actually use like back pain or pain analogy in these scenarios. I typically tell someone like, would you agree with me that it would likely take someone less time to feel better if they've only had back pain once in their life and now they're coming to see me? Or would you agree with me that it's going to take maybe someone a little bit longer if they had back pain for 10 years? You know, people can understand that. You You can understand if you've been in pain for a long time, it might take a long time to get better or like, some patients, they come in, my favorite thing, they'll say, well, I didn't get like this overnight, you know? Right. Uh, and, I, you know, headaches are in that category as well. But like you talked about earlier, if it's something we can reproduce in the clinic, I typically tell people, you know, give me, give me four to eight weeks and we should be seeing yeah. something. And that doesn't mean all headaches are going to go away in that time. But if we're being diligent about journaling or, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the headaches, you, you would hopefully, that's when I kind of tell people, we should start noticing like maybe a decrease in intensity or now we're feeling the headache in a different place, or maybe we're not getting them as much. So I, I typically, that's my, my general rule of thumb. And then as far as long-term, um, like chronic headache sufferers, if you look in some of the research, they'll follow up with some of these uh, people that they studied like a year or more out. And they'll kind of say, well, how are your headaches? Some people will say, you know what, they're completely gone. Some people will say, you know what, they're not as bad and I don't get them as much, but I still get them. But now they're definitely more manageable. So it could... Uh, you know, it could be one of those cases, especially if it's the secondary things we're talking about to say like, you know, could you have headaches for a pretty long period of time? Yes. But can they get way better? Also? Yes. Yep. No, I totally agree. I'd say four to eight weeks is spot on. Um, the cases that I think take, you know, if we're trying to distinguish what takes maybe the four weeks versus the eight weeks, um, patients who come in with just a headache, no neck pain, um, no jaw pain, nothing like that, no shoulder pain. That's usually more along the four week guidelines, I would say from an eight week standpoint, you're probably looking at someone who has neck pain, shoulder pain, jaw pain, and headaches. Cause normally I call that like the triad. I'm sure you've heard this on the, the last podcast that we did talking about jaw pain is it's oftentimes accompanied by headaches and neck pain. So if you have all three of them, now we're kind of jumping around with treatment. I can't just focus on one specific spot. I'm treating three separate things, although they all kind of correlate together they all deserve their own specific type of attention. So 
that being said, I do have to spend a little bit more time with that patient in order to get the desired result. Um, and that's kind of where that I would agree with that eight week standpoint probably comes from. All right, Craig. So now we've, we've talked all about headaches, about migraines, treatment, diagnosis. What are your big takeaways from today? I think we, we got a lot of stuff to, that we talked about and touched on, but what, what would you say are the big key points that if our listeners had to take from today's talk um, and put it into action, what would they be? The biggest thing that I would remind people of is like we talked about, there are many reasons that you can have a headache. Um, but a lot of times headaches can respond pretty well, whether it be uh, because it's primarily musculoskeletal or if it's just a secondary of something else, uh, having your head and neck evaluated and doing some form of either hands-on treatment or exercise program, people tend to respond pretty well. So I would say if you're someone that even has uh, you know, minor headaches or headaches sometimes, all the way to people that have chronic headaches, and you haven't seen a physical therapist, I would highly recommend even for a visit or two at the very least, just to yeah. kind of say like, Hey, is this something you think you can even help me with? I think you'd be, uh, you know, happy with the answer that you get. Yep. I agree. And then anything else you got, Craig? I would say if you do, uh, you know, if you are someone that is addressing headaches, I think the journal and calendar is a nice way to, uh, measure progress. Cause I think when you can see things are getting better, that helps with compliance and it just kind of makes you feel good. Uh, and just remembering that even though you have a headache, it might be coming from the neck. Even You don't even have to have neck pain. Uh, and for any of those like chronic headache uh, listeners out there that have went through, you know, all the physician specialties, the headache specialists, ENTs, you know, the neurologists, and you haven't seen a physical therapist, um, I would look for, uh, you know, one that has the credentials we have. So if you see that little OCS box there, orthopedic certified specialist, or someone that is a fellow or someone that is trained in headaches, I think, um, you know, you can get some answers that, you know, might have not been discussed. So anything you got key points or big, big takeaways here before we sign off? Honestly, Craig, I think you hit all the big ones there. Um, the secondary symptoms of headache that can include some of the neck stuff and the shoulder stuff. Um, always be on the lookout for those, especially if you have migraines, you know, we may not be able to solve the migraine problem for good, but we may be able to help alleviate some of those other secondary symptoms. You know, you touched on the calendars, you touched on, you know, checking out a PT, um, or some sort of headache specialist, somebody that's comfortable treating headaches. I know there's, there's a subset of PTs out there that really aren't the most comfortable with the head and neck area. Um, so it is kind of a niche area that some PTs will dabble in a little bit more than others. Um, so good news is me and Craig both uh, dabble in those. So if you're uh, kind of in either of our areas, it's definitely, we're, we're people that you can reach out to. And if you're looking for help in, in some other area, we're happy to help try and connect you to a physical therapist who is competent at treating some of those uh, types one, of one last thing, just quick, yeah. one quick second soapbox before we hear. If you're just doing neck stretches, that's not a neck exercise program. You need something True. else. Just yeah. regular old stretch your neck doesn't count. Yeah. Don't stretch like upper trap stretches, levator scap stretches, the stuff you find on YouTube. Like, come on, like go see a professional for this. Yeah. Don't, we need don't count that as like your <laughs> physical therapy. Like, yeah, don't, don't do that because you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And then you're going to say you tried physical therapy. You didn't try it. It's totally different. Trust me on this. There we go. Soapbox over. Soapbox <laughs> out. Thank you for tuning into the Straight Talk Physio podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to this podcast and the Peak Physiotherapy and Performance YouTube channel. For more information about us, please check us out on Facebook at Peak Physiotherapy and Performance and on Instagram at P3 Physiotherapy. 
For more information about Craig, you can follow him at Dr. Craig G underscore PT on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any topic suggestions, comments, or questions, then feel free to email us at the straight talk physio podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for watching and we hope you have an awesome day.